Great Chicks in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Hi, everyone. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Two Eye Chicks in China podcast. Thank you for listening again to us ramble on about life in China. I think a lot of people are out there are, are glad to listen to us ramble <laughs> on <laughs>、um, because we've got plenty of reviews.、Um, thank you to everyone who's left us a review on Apple Podcasts and on our Facebook page.、Um, we've got quite a few reviews on there now, which is it's really nice to read、um, that the stuff we're saying is actually useful and.、Uh, Fun to listen to, I guess. Yeah, and、I'll, I'd also like like to thank everyone who's supporting us on Patreon. We've got a new Patreon supporter. That's Jennifer. Thank you thank so you. much. Yeah, we really appreciate all your support. If you if you can support us on Patreon, we still appreciate appreciate those、uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts and any other podcast app that you use.、Um, that will help other people find us and.、Uh, Enjoy our ramblings. <laughs>、uh, before we move on to our news of the week,、um, we've got a comment. This came from Hannah. So, for those of you who might have listened to our episode one hundred and thirty-four about culture shock in China, she says,、uh, "Hi to you both. I just wanted to get in touch to say thanks for answering my question on the podcast. It was a lovely surprise to see that episode pop up." In my feed this week, it's a funny coincidence that this week my dad has come to visit, and it's proving very interesting to see him experiencing China for the first time.、Uh, also, makes me realise how much I've adapted since settling in. Partly thanks to your great advice on the podcast. Ha ha! Yeah.、Uh, thanks for your ideas on dealing with culture shock. I'll definitely bear those in mind for the future. Have a good week, and looking forward to the next episode. Oh, thanks, yeah, Anna. She had been to China before, right?、Mm-hmm. And she had had. Not the most positive of experiences. So hoping that this time around, she's learning to appreciate some things or ignore some of the things that were bothering her before.、Yeah. And I think that's a really great episode for people who are interested in coming to China, especially for the long term. I think for travel, you can kind of bear with anything, but、uh, when you're living somewhere, sometimes it takes a little extra effort、mm-hmm. on your part to adjust and、um, learn to adapt. So highly recommend that episode. If you search keyword search "culture shock" on writtenchinese.com, I'm sure you'll find the show notes there, and you'll be able to listen to the episode there. Yeah, or you can go to、uh, writtenchinese.com/episode134. Oh, right, that'll be there too. Episode134.、Yeah. Okay,、mm-hmm. got it. Okay, Nora, do you have a fact about China for us?、Please? Oh, yes, I do. So a Chinese internet tech company, according to ChinaDaily.com. Has unveiled the first satellite in a constellation plan to provide free Wi-Fi service worldwide. So this company called Linkshure Network, which was founded in Shanghai in 2013, markets itself as a global innovative mobile internet company specializing in free internet access, making the world a better place.、Oh, For any of you Silicon Valley fans out there. <laughs> Um, so, according to the company, the satellite will be launched from Jiuquan Satellite Launch Center in northwest China's Gansu Province next year, and by 2020, there will be 10 satellites in space. The constellation will have 272 satellites by 2026. Wow! So the idea is that they're going to put these satellites up into space to provide free Wi-Fi. Yes. 
Cool. For all the for world's the world. remote places, Antarctica, the sub-Saharan des- like desert, you know, all this stuff. Right, well, I hope it will improve my download speed. <laughs> I should say this isn't the first company who is planning to give the world free Wi-Fi. Pretty sure Elon Musk and SpaceX are doing the same thing, and mm. there's some other companies out there, so we'll see who's first. It's really interesting... To see what the business model will be, I guess they're going to be pumping ads into our phones. And um, I mean, how are they going to pay for this? It costs like billions of dollars yeah. to do this kind of project. So I'm sure ad space is going to be really competitive there. So do we have a news topic for the week? Yeah, we do. Um, so recently we did an episode about sports in China. And I um, mentioned that running was now quite popular um, especially running marathons. Um, so this weekend, I think it was this weekend actually, there was no date um, on in the article, but there was a half marathon in Shenzhen. Uh, but unfortunately, a couple of hundred runners were actually caught cheating during this half marathon <laughs> by taking a shortcut through some bushes. Uh, so this, um, yeah, 237 runners were caught basically by surveillance cameras, uh, cutting through this um, lots of bushes by the side of the road. And um, rather than running another kilometre or so up the road and then taking a U-turn, they just cut straight through. <laughs> and apparently they shaved off two or three kilometres off the 21-kilometre race. Did they know they were doing that or were they just following 237 of them? Yep. You'd think they'd just be, you know, one, maybe the first guy knew what he was doing, but then maybe the rest just kind of followed him through the bushes and just thought that was where they were supposed to go. I've never run a marathon before, but I would assume that there's signs, signposts. (laughs) So unless this is like some cartoon where... Uh, like Wally Coyote has come and put the sign in the wrong place so everyone's like following the wrong sign I, I don't know but half marathon that's a lot of kilometers so they can't have a signpost every five feet no but yeah I, I would think that the, the marathon is not cutting through because it was probably all like sharp there was probably no path it's just like oh we're just going to run through here hmm. and cut off this U-turn <laughs> Sneaky, sneaky. Is there a prize for the marathon, half marathon? I, is that, or is just... I don't know. Uh, it doesn't actually say. What's their say. motivation for cheating? I feel like marathons are so, like, you know, they're about, mar- like, running in general, this long distance running is about self-perseverance yeah, exactly. yeah, and, like, motivation, and it totally defeats the point to cheat right. unless there's, like, some grand prize yeah. that they're all competing for, but mm-hmm. it over 200 of yeah. them are cheating. <laughs> yeah, I don't... It didn't actually say anything about a prize. Um, or was it towards the end of the race? I don't, I, I, unfortunately, yeah, oh, okay. I don't know that. Because I could see where they're just like, oh, screw it. You know, they're so exhausted. They're yeah. like willing to take any shortcut possible <laughs> to get know. it over with. There were other people running in this race that were cheating as well. Um, another 18 runners were wearing fake bibs. While there was there was three three other imposters who ran the race in someone else's place, <laughs> so oh, like they switched out they switched or out, they started yeah. later. So the fake bibs, I don't know what the fake bib thing was. Like what? Why? Unless they were like doing relay, so there was several people wearing the same number. So one person ran like X amount, then another person, then another person <laughs> finished. Um, oh man! Oh, oh, why would you wear? And why would you be an imposter and run the race for someone else? Like, what's 
that that also doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's know, like taking an exam for someone. I get it. Like you might like if you're afraid you're not gonna pass. But yeah, as you say, if it's what's the point in running a race for someone else? Well, and these things that they've <laughs> been doing, at least the first person who found the shortcut must have known beforehand. So mm, before possibly. he started the race, like I said, I could understand maybe if if. You know, it's the end of the race and you're on your last leg and you can't stand it anymore and you just want to get it over with. I kind of see that. But the guy who figured out where the shortcut was and these people who have gone to the trouble of making fake bibs, they they did it before the race even started. Yeah. Like, they knew they, this was a plan that they had done. Yeah. Wow. What 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 are they to gain from this? I have absolutely no idea. But unfortunately, all of these people that cheated now face lifetime bans. Oh, nice. <laughs> marathon running oh, in wow. nice. I guess in, I don't know if it's just in That's... the city or it's like in the province or what. <laughs> That's awesome. I, the... I like to see swift punishment mm. for this kind of nonsense. <laughs> yeah. The, they were scolded by state media editorials calling them shameful for having so grossly disrespected the spirit of marathons <laughs> and athletic competitions. Yeah, it's oh, a strange one. That's great. Shall we move on to today's topic? Yes, let's. Uh, so, we've had uh, several people message us with similar kinds of questions, um, and they're all to do with uh, Chinese families and having families in China. So we decided to uh, combine everything and discuss several areas. And these areas include things like fertility and uh, sex ed and um, other related subjects about pressure on having families and that kind of thing. We've maybe touched on some of these things in other episodes, but I feel like we've got a lot to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into Mm. it. I don't want to just start at the source if you don't mind me jumping right in here. With the sex ed part, because right. I feel like that's kind of where it all starts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I found quite a few articles on this, and of course we'll put the links in the show notes. So according to CNN, most schools in China do not have formal sex ed classes, but apparently the situation is about to change. Mm. So in March this year, the first batch of sex educators for middle school children in China was certified by the national government. The training courses provide a variety of content, including info tailored for both children and adults, online videos for family education, and summer and winter campaigns for adolescents. So Mm -hmm. they talk about um, just sex in general and debates around real cases involving sexually transmitted diseases and prostitution. So it's really shocking that even today in China, when you have... You have the internet and access to information, but so few young people have a reliable source to understand about sex. Um, And I found this really shocking quote. This is from a 20-year-old student at Hebei University called Koshi. And she said that Chinese men view ignorance as cuteness when it comes to being a woman. Some girls around me don't even know the process of intercourse and they listen to their boyfriends, but their boyfriends learn from Japanese porn. (laughs) So this is the kind of, I mean, she's 20 years old and a lot of her friends don't understand the process of having sex. Like this is, to me, this is quite shocking. It's quite a big face palm moment, I Mm -hmm, think. mm -hmm. Wow. And then there's another person on the same article. She's a 36 year old employee 
in a Chinese state-owned enterprise, and she said that when she was young, she was taught nothing by the older generation who preferred to just ignore the topic. Mm -hmm. She said, just like the saying, women begin to know their biological structure through her husband after getting married. So this is like, women are not supposed to know. Yeah about how their bodies work until after they're married and then their husbands are supposed to teach them yeah. how it works. Like, yeah. reading this, I was just, It's like wow. we're in the Victorian era again. Mm-hmm. It says, for many young women, abortion is their primary form of birth control. Oh, my God. Yeah, more than 13 million abortions are performed in China every year. And this is a vast underestimation because it doesn't count for non-surgical abortions and those carried out by unlicensed clinics which i'm sure i don't know i would feel it's safe to say it's double Mm. um so i think they just scary yeah it's super scary and there's one final quote i'll read here is the it's from this uh yummy founder Zhao jing and she says a lot of women think having an abortion is like taking a nap which is how it is described in adverts so the women who go in to have these procedures, they actually don't really understand, don't understand what it is. Yeah, they don't know what they're going to go through. And I'm sure that there's absolutely no psychological support. Like there's right. no emotional support no, for them. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is, wow, this is uh, pretty shocking. I just, I, since you, you did your research on like sex ed and this kind of thing, did you find anything about like taking the pill in China, like the contraceptive pills and things? Because a long, long time ago, I remember we had an episode about um, things that you should bring to China. And that's something I did not, I was not aware that it was something you could get here. Mm-hmm. And you, you actually informed me that you can, but I guess it's not something that young women know about or very few yeah i just don't think that they're aware if they don't really even understand the process of sex i don't think they would understand how a pill would work right and um yeah but uh, they're over the counter Mm -hmm. in china you can just walk in any age and they're very inexpensive you can get them but i think most young women they don't use them because maybe because they don't necessarily they're not planning to have sex maybe because um, you also see like condom vending machines everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, and they're quite um, obvious in like Seven Eleven and those convenience stores. There and there's a lot of them as well. Mm-hmm. They're just like these bright boxes mm-hmm. at Seven Eleven. That's all. They're always right by the cashier. Yeah. Bright boxes of condoms. I mean, with the candy. Like next that's. To the I was going to say there must be so many situations where kids are like, "Oh, mom, what's this?" I mean, that's kind of an awkward situation. Mm-hmm. Although that might be a good opportunity to actually have some education, I guess. Yeah, it's just, um, I think that just the lack of knowledge is is what's driving the, the lack of take. Because the contraceptions are available. They just mm-hmm. don't know how to use them. I think a lot of it is culture-wise. They have a hard time, because the older generation, they, it seems like they still... They're very sensitive. We spoke in a previous episode about a, a nude statue that appeared mm-hmm. in the public gardens yeah. or the communal gardens of a complex. Mm-hmm. It was some like Greek style yeah. statue and how a graffiti artist had painted a bathing suit on this person. And actually a lot of the older people in the complex thought this is a good idea yeah. because they're just shocked by this nudity. So this is, <laughs> you know, that's a very modest culture in a lot of ways. And so... I think they've had a hard time getting everybody to agree with what kind of information should be available for their kids. Mm. So if they put 
you know, nude pictures of bodies, you know, and leaflets and stuff. So far, we've seen, you know, they've had, they've published some pamphlets, and then there's just a strong reaction from the parents and the grandparents saying, I don't want my kids to see this stuff. They're worried that it's, um, I don't know, I guess desensitizing or that it's opening a can of worms that they don't want to go into. They just rather ignore the problem and just hope that they figure it out on their own. Unfortunately, there's a lot of teen pregnancies here, but it's just so culturally unacceptable that over 90% of them end in abortion. Over 90% of them, by the way. Horrifying statistic. Yeah, so there's a... According to the what I read, Chinese kids start having sex around the same age as Western kids, mm. but they just don't know. They have less. They tend to have less sexual partners overall, but they 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 don't. It's not like they wait until marriage. They're not all waiting until marriage. No. Although Chinese <laughs> Chinese women are supposed to be virgins when they're married, right? Yeah. And I think that a lot of them pretend... Oh, they'll definitely, yeah, they'll definitely act say, like oh, it. Oh, yeah. no, it's my first time. You know, this is very mm. common cultural thing that they do. And, like, they, they like to feign this innocence yeah. that's, like, part of it. And supposedly Chinese guys like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't remember if we discussed this on an episode or whether it was just off the air. Um, but some time ago I read an article that was about... Uh, it was interviewing Chinese men and women from different walks of life and asking them, do you think it's okay to have sex before marriage? And there were some very, very interesting uh, responses. Some were saying, yeah, of course, like, the women also saying, it's, yeah, of course, it's, you need to, like, tr- <laughs> try it out, I guess, before you get married. One woman, very, uh, like a young woman said, oh, I, you know, I, I had sex with the, the first, like, the first time I went out with my boyfriend but it's okay because we got married basically she fell pregnant the first time they slept together and then they got married so Mm -hmm. that's but that's quite a tip I would imagine it's quite a typical situation Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting (laughs) just hearing from uh, foreign guy friends I've heard quite a few of them say like oh she was a you know I was her first one and they're like all saying that and I'm like you guys uh, think about it. You you, you all, all think that they're you're the first one for these girls. You all do. Like, come on, just you gotta think logically here. Uh, it's interesting what you mentioned. We can kind of move on from that topic when you said about um, when they get pregnant. A lot of them get married, mm-hmm. and that's a really interesting thing. That's very different from the West too. Like it seems like the reason to get married in China is generally. To have a child. It's yeah. not like, oh, we're in love mm-hmm. and we want to commit ourselves to each other. Um, it's it's that, okay, we're ready to produce offspring. Let's get married to provide a financial financially stable environment for our child. So mm-hmm. it's a very different mentality. I feel like even serious couples will wait until they're pregnant before getting married just to make sure everything works. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Or maybe... I definitely agree with you on that, but and maybe also they plan like maybe they they get engaged, but in between their engagement and their actual wedding, they basically try for a baby and then oh everything's okay, so we can actually like sign the documents and everything. Exactly, they <laughs> want to make sure that the family line is gonna. They don't want to take any mm. risks. We had a colleague who got pregnant and then had a miscarriage, and she got pregnant and then was going to get married and then when she had a miscarriage she, she no, they split up yeah oh, wow. and i think that's 
I mean, I don't know the details of this situation, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that the miscarriage had a lot to do with the stability of the relationship. Mm. It's just very, very pragmatic. Yeah. Once again, uh, on a this is related, but on a bit of a sidetrack, I um, heard of a. Uh, she was a teacher, and um, she had gone just on gone on a date with a friend of a friend. And she'd fallen pregnant, but her family, like, she she needed to, there was pressure to get married, but because her brother had been married in the same year, she was not allowed to, she couldn't get married, so she, I guess she had the baby without being married, which is, puts, makes the family look kind of bad, and her, I guess. Yes, that's, that is interesting. The oldest child, not that there are a lot of families in China today that have lots of children Mm. but the oldest child definitely is supposed to get married and have kids before the youngest child we actually have another colleague who is the older brother and his younger brother was married and had and had a kid before he did Mm. and i know his family his family is definitely more liberal than some because they allowed him to wait until he found somebody that he actually liked to marry even though they set him up on quite a few (laughs) (laughs) blind dates in between but anyways generally speaking this is not acceptable like the either they would pressure the younger brother to split with the girl and have the girl have an abortion or they would pressure the older brother Mm -hmm. to just quick find somebody and get her pregnant (laughs) so that everything looks normal to the rest of the community and marriages here do tend to happen quite quickly i think Mm -hmm. there's no dilly-dallying arranging things for years and years you, if and I'm calling it like an engagement, but I think the idea of an engagement here is a bit different to in the West. They just this. I think more and more young couples are proposing. We've heard lots of stories that um, from the news where men have done these very elaborate engagements with uh, proposals. Sorry, with lots of strange things like durian and giving them a hundred durian or whatever else. <laughs> um, but yeah, often they do. They they propose, and then within a month, within a few months, they tend to get married. Mm-hmm. The wedding itself. We've talked a little bit about Chinese weddings, but mm. just to mention, the wedding itself is also a very different affair in China. It's basically like a big dinner. Yeah. Where in which the bride does a a costume change every hour. And, and, like. and the men as well, I think, also tend to change. Mm. They often do like. It's like a combo between East and West, isn't it? They'll often do the traditional style uh, outfits, but they'll they'll usually also be the the white gown at some point. Mm. Most of these outfits are rented, by Mm. the way. I went to, before I got married, I went to a couple tailors in Lohu, which is where a lot of the tailors are situated in Shenzhen. And they were very surprised that I actually wanted to to buy buy the dress. They were like, this is what we have. I'm like, well, I don't want to wear something that somebody else has worn. I kind of just want to get it. Yeah, to me it's a bit strange. But um, that's not not common here. Well, it makes sense. I mean, for those of us who have gotten married and done the white dress, blah, 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 I'm sure it's just stuffed into a closet somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think so. (laughs) Very expensive day. Yeah. But uh, in China, it's, it's more about the pageantry, I think, mm. than the sentimentality behind the, the dress, yeah. you know. And that, that dinner is more just like a reception, isn't it? They, they've often signed official documents months and months before. It's completely separate, uh, a separate event. And usually I, the impression I get is the couple just go, 
to the official place where they need to do it. They, the two of them just sign, so they've got their matching books um, with their little passport photos in, and then several months later they'll have their dinner. Mm-hmm. A very, very expensive dinner, <laughs> yeah, must <right>. say. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, so moving on, um, I looked into IVF uh, in China and I found uh, a really interesting case study. Um, this is about a woman called uh, Shi Xiaoxin, and she's that she was 35, and she had decided she wanted to spend some time traveling, focus on her career, and um, then when her and her husband decided they wanted to try for a baby, unfortunately, they, were, they couldn't conceive naturally. So um, she is one of hundreds of thousands of Chinese women who are struggling to have a child naturally, and so she decided to try IVF. Her and her husband have been going for IVF treatments for the last three years. This issue with infertility is, um, is often put on the women because, as in the West, lots of women are waiting now to have a child. And by the way, in the last two decades, the age for a Chinese woman to have their first child has changed from 22 years to 26 years. Oh, wow, that's yeah. a bigger jump than I expected. Mm-hmm. The idea that it's the most couples can't conceive because the women are now older is a really big, a really big issue. But there are obviously people who argue this point that uh, th- there's also an issue with men too because ch- Chinese businessmen in particular tend to work long hours Um, They don't have a really good diet. They tend to smoke and drink a lot. So I think there's also an issue there. But for the majority, it's the the pressure on women. And um, this this woman has, she's tried traditional Chinese medicine. um, But for the most part, they've been undergoing IVF treatments in a state-run infertility clinic. Um, This costs $4,700, which is about the equivalent of four months' salary in a, in a city like Beijing or Shanghai. It's not paid by the state. They, they have, they're obviously having to pay out of pocket. But there's I found some information about clinics in general. There's There are 451 clinics nationwide. This was of 2016, offering IVF licensed by the government. So there are 3.3 licensed fertility centres for every 10 million people in China. Ooh. Yeah. And so there are lots of... Um, There's waiting lists and stuff, right? Oh, yeah. And there was a report. This was this was back in 2012 by the China Population Association that suggested that around 40 million men and women are affected by infertility. Wow. In the rural areas, that's much, much lower because people tend to get married younger. So. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've heard also that stress is a big factor and... We, we spoke in a recent episode about the average Chinese work week, so you can kind of get an idea for how stressful. I mean, as I remember, they, they said in a city like Shenzhen, the average amount of free time that people have uh, during their day is less than two hours. It's yeah. like one point something. I forget exactly what the statistic was, but that's not a whole lot of time to decompress from work. Plus, you have like environmental pollution and unhealthy lifestyles, and they also talk about the drop-off rate for sperm in China. They've been studying mm-hmm. that it's yeah from both sides. So women tend to make a decision to have children later in life, which sometimes makes it harder to conceive. And then men also they're having problems with sperm count. So between the two of them, and I think also the 
just the pressure from the families to have a, a child is probably a big factor too when it comes to conceiving because I've, I've heard this so many times from you know from personal friends and from stories that you read in the news or online that a lot of couples once they give up having trying to have a child then suddenly they yeah. get pregnant I yeah. think so much of it is that mental block like okay we have to you know we have to have a kid we have to have mm-hmm. a kid and that pressure is just building up and then when they finally say okay it's not going to happen for us forget about it then they get pregnant yeah. Yeah. so obviously mm-hmm. the emotional pressure and stress has a lot to do with how this whole thing works which makes sense I mean this is not how people used to plan their kids. I mean, it used to be just happened. Yeah, exactly. There wasn't really any planning, was there, I Mm-mm. think? Just like, oh, we're pregnant, yeah. <laughs> I guess. So, yeah, it's really, it's really a lot of pressure. And you see a lot of people turning to IVF as, as a way to handle this. Mm. And this isn't just pressure from... You know, a couple or the couple just really want a child. There's so much pressure from parents and grandparents as well. Even at work, people yeah. think you're a weirdo if, if you, you don't, don't have kids. kids. Yeah. If you're not married and you don't have kids, you're you are judged by every mm-hmm. social circle that you're in. People yeah. will, will constantly be asking you about your relationship status. They will constantly be asking you about when you're having children. It's just part of the society mm-hmm. to drive that kind of pressure. Um, I found this article from last December, there was a couple in Guangzhou who was using IVF and they also were using two surrogate mothers as a backup. So they, okay, so they had... As a backup? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So they had learned that they could not have children naturally, so they spent 100,000 pounds, pounds on IVF and employed two surrogate mothers as a fallback measure just in case they themselves couldn't get pregnant. So they secretly ended up having eight babies. (laughs) Wow. Four boys and four girls over a two-month period. (laughs) So the mother successfully had triplets herself. Well, the mother... Oh, okay. Through the IVF. Yeah, so the the actual mother has triplets and then her eggs and... The husband's sperm were implanted in surrogates, and they had more than five um, children between them. <laughs> oh, my God. So they've now got eight children. So this is obviously, I mean, China's still sensitive towards large families. I mean, they are encouraging people to have more children, but not yes. eight children. This is This is quite, you know... I think two is still the, like... The happy with two. Yeah, <laughs> two. They say, okay, touchy. three is good, but eight, come on. Mm-hmm. Come on. People are still punished for having so many kids here. It's just seen as being selfish, and it's not good for the society when some people who are affluent are able to have all these kids yeah. and other people are not. They, they try to go for a more balanced. Um, I, I'm I, Having never had a child and never been in that position, like being in that position where I've desperately wanted a child like I'm sure these couples that's how they feel but even I mean and I can understand you to want to go to all those measures but having backup as well like that's and why wouldn't they do one thing at a time right you know like I guess they were like okay let's just double down maybe it was just just time like the the clock's ticking maybe I guess like she Mm. only had a one round of healthy eggs left or something Uh, like that could be Oh man, triplets and then 
So five between the two. So one of the other surrogates, I assume, had triplets, and the other one had twins. Mm. I'm assuming. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully it wasn't quadruplets on one side. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, wow. So now they've got four boys and four girls. So problem solved, I guess. <laughs> Crazy. Wow. Um, did you know that there's now a TV show about infertility? In China, I didn't. It's called. It's a. It's a reality TV show. It's called the UFO Fertility Show. <laughs> okay, great title. And um, it's set in the future when aliens have travelled back to Earth via UFO to explore explore why the human race is perishing. So this I, is a reality. It's show? a reality TV show. That's what this the article says. Yeah, it's a bit. It's very odd. But it was launched by an actual actual doctor who created a similar show in Singapore, and in the first episode. The team visit a couple in Shanghai and give them advice on how to conceive. The tips include diet changes, Tai Chi style exercises, rearranging the bedroom furniture and preventing noise. Mm. The host particularly frowned upon the pungent and sugary food found in the couple's fridge. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an odd one. I, 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 haven't, I haven't watched the show, but I'm kind of intrigued how Please it can be both link. a reality TV show and uh, set in the future. I don't know. Please put the link in the show notes. I definitely want yeah, I'll to watch try, I'll, that. I'll, I'll find, try and find it, yeah. <laughs> as well as IVF, lots of women try traditional Chinese medicines or just more natural ways to help uh, conceive. One of the ways that um, you can improve fertility is by increasing blood flow or adding heat. And... Um, because one of the one of the ideas of traditional Chinese medicine is that infertility can be caused by uh, a cold in the uterus, so warming the abdomen during time of uh, ovulation using a hot water bottle is quite a common hmm. common thing. Another major issue in according to China, uh, traditional Chinese medicine is that fertility is affected by the liver and the lungs because because the liver is related to anger stress and um, the lungs are related to sadness and grief so if you improve the health of your liver and lungs then you're going to improve the chi your body's chi and therefore more likely to conceive Hmm. Um, there were lots of other things that i found such as avoiding dampness Um, so if you want to become pregnant then you should eliminate damp foods like milk cheese yogurt butter ice cream greasy foods and alcohol um, wet clothing, humid environments, and moist basements. Hmm. <laughs> Another thing is something we, I guess we've talked about um, about when women are pregnant, things that they tend to avoid. According to traditional Chinese medicines, uh, to support conception, you basically should go against the idea of this perfect woman that we see who should be slim and active. If you want to become pregnant, then you should not do any exercise i guess you should be eating more and that kind of thing (laughs) yeah i remember when i went in for my first appointment at beijing university hospital and this Mm. is quite a well-known hospital here and they use it's like a combination of western and chinese traditional medicine but mostly it's a western hospital and it's Mm. huge and they told me when i first came in to stop exercising for the first three months they said oh you shouldn't exercise in these first because they mm. they still believe and this there are there aren't any scientific facts to support this 
that if you exercise within the first three months, then you're more likely to have a miscarriage. Mm. So they still do have these traditional beliefs, even yeah. in these large and relatively Western facilities in cities like Shenzhen, and I assume similarly in Shanghai and Beijing. Although in the Hong Kong University Hospital, which is where I'm going now, they didn't. They haven't told so far. They haven't told me anything like this, like to drink more hot water <laughs> and to avoid. Because they told me don't eat ice cream uh, or cold foods. Yeah. And but I haven't heard any of that stuff from the Hong Kong University mm. Hospital so far. Also, a big thing is uh, not to eat chocolate. Mm. I'm not. I mean, I guess that's a hot food, so maybe it's too hot. Like I, you know, so. I... Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't really understand the logic behind a lot of this. But the Chinese population tends to follow these traditional rules without questioning it. It's yeah. just part of the tradition, and that's what they do. And I find that actually really respectable. But as somebody who doesn't really understand what to eat when, according to Chinese traditional medicine, then I have a hard time yeah. uh, following the guidelines. <laughs> yes, um, with the um, increase in infertility in China, there obviously have been a lot of uh, online stars uh, like on Taobao that have done very well um, because of this. There's a, a doctor um, who has a Taobao shop, and he sells um, homemade packs of herbal foot soak and he sells tens of thousands every month in every year it grows um and he said he admits that although his foot soak is not magic he thinks it improves his customers overall health and makes it more ideal for pregnancy uh-huh. um, but there in in chinese medicine the foot is quite a crucial uh, body part that you should maintain like that needs to be in good health. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, if you walk around the streets of China, inevitably you'll come across a guy who's sitting on a very tiny stool, uh, barely off the ground, and he's got like a big map of a foot. Mm. And it's got like the different areas of the foot and how they correspond to the different organs of the body, your nervous system, etc. And it's very complex, super complex. It's got all these numbers. It looks basically like a map of the universe, you know. It's just got all these patterns and numbers, and so they, they do have this strong tradition. And in China, when you go for a massage, a foot massage is a separate thing from a body massage. It's got its own name, and it's got its own practice. It's like a whole thing. I personally really enjoy the foot massages, but they can be very painful. <laughs> yeah. You know my thoughts on that. You're not a massage no. person, I know. No. Um, so I have uh, one last thing to mention about... Uh, this is the opposite of traditional Chinese medicine, but um, I know that these are also very popular in the West. But of course, in China, there's going to be an app for that. Um, <laughs> so the like ovulation trackers are very popular. Um, there's an application that's on the top of the app store list in China. It's called... Uh, Feng Kuang Daoren, or Crazy for Making Babies. Um, and there's a, apparently it has a pink icon with a sperm on a clock. Oh. Um, and it's it's a typical app, and it's got uh, tracks, body temperatures, ovulation, menstruation, blah, blah, blah. Um, but apparently it's really good. Hmm. <laughs> I've also seen quite a few products being pushed to me in, on Taobao, the e-commerce platform, for 
boosting virility and all this stuff. So they have like kangaroo, which I didn't know this was a legal thing. I just mm. assumed this was not something that existed on the market, but it's like kangaroo meat supplements. Oh. So they take kangaroo steaks and they turn them into supplements and supposedly that's really good for hmm. fertility. And they've got a lot of these, you know, seahorses and all this like things that they consume in Chinese medicine that are supposedly... They're for commented. men. They're for men. Though. They're for men, right? Right. And is there some their... sort of snake oil thing that's meant to be good? There's a know. lot of stuff that they have that claim to help with this issue. It's a good market, I think, in China. <laughs> so these remedies are for people who are desperately trying to have kids, which is a big burden. On a lot of people, but I think that quite a few young people now are turning away from this. Mm. Definitely not the majority. The majority still, I think, plan to have a similar family structure to their parents. But within recent years, there's this so-called dink movement, lifestyle movement. So dink, if you haven't heard, is double income, no kids. So this is also something that exists very much so in the West, but it's something that hadn't come to China, at least not publicly until very recently. So some of these people, they, I, I, I read the story of, um, they're called Li and Hu, and they were married, and their parents and their co-workers and their friends were all telling them, having a child is the only way to make your life complete, because they weren't having kids. And this is, again, going back to the, topic on marriage and then in that the purpose of marriage here seems to be just for producing offspring and they kept people kept chastising them saying it's not a real family until you have a child why if you're not going to have a kid why even get married in the first place and then after three years of constant peer pressure the couple finally gave birth to a daughter um, she said, we still live as though we were a dink family. We gave our child to our parents to raise while our lives remained centered around each other. We had a kid for our parents' sake. They were hounding us about it constantly. We figured having one would give us some peace and quiet. So basically they had the kid and then they immediately shipped it off to their yeah. hometown to be raised by the grandparents. I, If it wasn't this story, it was something very similar. I've read Eurydicus just like that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of couples, they just, they're just like, get off my back. Mm-hmm. So, And we spoke in a previous episode about, again, about the workload and work-life balance. And um, we spoke about how some couples send their kids to their hometown so that they can work more, so that they're able to support themselves working in a larger city. Uh, it's just way cheaper to raise a child in the countryside, and so they just send them off to mm-hmm. grandma and grandpa. But some couples are doing this voluntarily because they're just not interested in having kids. Yeah. They don't like kids. They just they just doing it to get their parents to stop hounding them. <laughs> so they just have the child. They're like, okay, we'll have the kid, and then they don't really have anything mm-hmm. to do with the kid a whole lot after that. They just yeah. ship them off to the hometown, and they're raised in the countryside or in another apartment somewhere else and they get on with their lives. Yeah, this is very interesting. I mean, I'm not judging anyone here, but I'm I'm quite interested to the idea of someone having a baby and then just obviously just give just letting them go to the hometown and not having that maternal connection. Like realizing, okay, we didn't want a kid but actually now I've had the, a baby, like I feel something. 
I mean, that's, I guess that's their thing. I don't know. I assume most parents who are pressuring their kids, that's probably what they think is going to happen. Like, mm. oh, once you have once one, it, you're going to yeah. fall in love with them. <laughs> but I do understand that there are some people who are just, yeah, just they just don't have that instinct. Yeah. And yeah. in the West, those people just don't have kids, usually. Yeah. But yeah, in well, China, why would you do yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Like, in China, to. it's just not an option not to have kids. Mm. Even the government is in support of this. They have a... They had a recent proposal which gave uh, t- married couples tax breaks. Mm-hmm. And uh, then there was an out- outlash from the netizen saying it's a singles tax. So it's basically it's discriminating against people for not having kids, for not mm-hmm. getting married and, and having kids. So even the government tries their best to support this traditional family structure. So even from up above, they're getting pressure. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the reasons why I guess the Chinese government are doing this is to promote fertility because actually China has a very low fertility rate. It's only uh, 1.6 children uh, per woman, uh, according this is in 2017, which is one of the lowest in the world, actually. And so in 2015, uh, the government relaxed the one-child policy. Uh, so it's now fine for couples to have two children. And so I think China believed that this would allow their fertility rate to increase quite quickly, but actually that hasn't happened. And um, one of the reasons is that young Chinese people have realized that it's actually very expensive to have a child here. Whilst obviously there are dink families that they don't want children at all, there are some families that will have one and that's enough because it's just, in this article I read, they described it as fertility desire. And so once upon a time, women were very eager to give birth and then they don't want to. And now they can't actually afford to have a second child. Mm. Well, I guess in the past, having a lot of children helped you to be financially stable. If you're working in the field and you need workers, you know, give yourself a a team (laughs) to work with. But now in the cities... Having kids, education is ridiculously expensive. You can't understand how expensive it is mm-hmm. here to educate children. In Shenzhen in particular, I guess in Shanghai and Beijing is the same. But the cost of schooling is unbelievable. Unbelievable. From kindergarten onward. And, so, and then they have all these special classes that they take, which are also extremely expensive. The, the very least that you'll pay I feel in China for a an extracurricular class is going to be like something like 30 or 40 dollars per hour that's a very least and that's you know that's a lot by western standards and most people are not making western salaries so this is a huge financial burden on the family so I think a lot of it is a financial pressure they just want to dedicate all the resources that they have to one child making sure that child is as educated as possible and has as many opportunities as possible instead of spreading their scarce resources thin across several of them. Mm. Yeah, just to, um, I guess, make a final point on your having children to have a team to work in the fields. (laughs) Um, Actually, there's a real worry that um, there are lots of older people now in China and that the working age population that's aged 20 to 59 uh, compared with older people is much less so it over a 20 year period it's more than halved so in um, 2010 there was almost five workers for every elderly person in China 
in uh, 2030, they'll, they predict there will only be two workers to every elderly person. Wow. Okay, that's definitely a big burden. That's going to be a tricky yeah. one. So hope that gave you a little bit of insight into the family structure and you know, child rearing issues that are faced by Chinese people today. Uh, we would love to hear some comments and feedback from our audience. If you have it, you can leave it on our show notes at writtenchinese.com slash episode 137. Or you can drop us a message on Facebook. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash two white chicks. The two is spelled out T-W-O. So before we say bye, Nora, do you have a word of the week for us, please? Sure do. So I'll just give you the word for child because it's the center of this topic, mm-hmm. and that's haizi. So haizi. So Holly will put the link for the Chinese word of the day in the show notes as well, and you can study that or add it to your flashcard set to study later. And for those of you who are learning Chinese, please give us a heads up to what your level is at. We'd love to hear some feedback from our audience here because we're thinking about planning a course for you guys. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested, drop us a note again either in the show notes or send us an email, support at writtenchinese.com. And if you've got a question for us, you can go to writtenchinese.com slash voicemail where you can leave us a spoken message, but you can also send us a written message. Uh, You can leave it on any of our show notes at writtenchinese.com or on our Facebook page. Thanks for listening. Bye.